Hey there, it's Mike with Leverage. In this episode, I am very excited to introduce Nahal Kazim. This is my first guest episode on the podcast in two plus years of doing this. Um, so if it's my first guest episode, you know it's a very special guest, and it is. Nahal is somebody who's been in my community for a long time. I first met him when he was still an undergraduate in college, and he was a hustler. He was trying to provide for his mom and uh, for his family, and he was doing anything that he could to do that, to, to make ends meet and to provide for his family while he was still going to school. And he is somebody that I have just always, always been impressed with for a number of different reasons, both on the personal side and the professional side. And he is a perfect example of what I call a bold entrepreneur. Bold stands for business ownership plus lifestyle design. What that means to me is that an entrepreneur can use their business to fuel the life that they want. In fact, I think it is the very best vehicle in today's world to fuel the life that you want, to give you the freedom, the money, the impact, to have the kind of life that you want and Nahal has lived this as well as anybody. His story is incredibly inspiring. I think everybody will find something in it. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know at the end, and let's go ahead and get started with this episode. Awesome. All right, everybody, welcome to, uh, this is, Nahal, you're going to be very excited about this. You are officially my very first guest episode for the YouTube channel and podcast here. Um, I'm super, super excited that that is the case because I have one of my favorite people on the planet here with us today, um, Nehal Kazam. I've known for, gosh, I'm trying to think. Um, it's been about something like that. It's been <laughs> like a, a dozen years or something like that. <laughs> Yeah. It feels a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a long time. Um, and you're still so damn young. That's the thing. It's like, man. Um, so um, I'm, I'm super excited, man, to be doing this with you. Um, we, uh, we were just talking a little bit before we got started here officially. Um, and I let you know, hey, I, I'm, I'm like, we're just totally freestyling this. So I'm just going to go all in. I told him, He's going to have his Jerry Maguire moment right here on this on this episode um, where we're just going to dig deep. Um, and of course, I'm just teasing him a little bit. But there's a reason why I'm very excited to have you on here. And I'm very excited to have you on as my first guest episode. Um, yeah, there, well, there's, a, there's so much good stuff to dig into with you and your story um, that I think so many people are going to find incredibly valuable that um, I'm just, I'm super psyched to do it. So, um, so first of all, real quick, give, give the, give the 30 second bio elevator pitch where you are, what you're doing, all that good stuff before we dive into this. Yeah. Yeah. So my name is Nehal Kazim. I run adpros.com. Uh, I live in Medellin, Colombia. We have a Facebook ads agency primarily, as well as a coaching consulting education business. Uh, we manage over a million dollars a month in Facebook ads uh, across six clients and um, yeah, I mean, you're one of the first people who really kicked me off in this in this step, man, and in this direction. And uh, looking forward to share more on like how that happened because I uh, I, I made 
took a whole massive journey just to get to Denver the first time we met. So that's so awesome. Okay, so let, let's you, you start off there. So let's talk about that. The first time we met was in Denver at an event that I was holding. What was it? The sales boot camp? It was. Yeah, it was the first one. Okay, so it was the first sales boot camp. So I held these live events, and these live events were really about selling and selling services to small businesses, which that. That has been the majority of my career. And certainly up until that point, it was really my entire career was selling uh, information technology services and marketing services to small businesses. So here comes an A-Hall to the event in Denver. How old were you? Man, I think I was nine, uh, I think 2021. 20, yeah. Were you that old? Because I thought I thought you were, I, I, when you said you started to say nineteen, and I was that's that's what I remember. It might have been. It might have been. So basically, what happened is that in university, I started like selling anything. Like I was trying to just figure life out. I actually started trying to support myself and my family when I was fourteen years old. So I'm selling stuff on eBay. Um, I bought product launch formula by Jeff Walker, and I was like trying to sell like information on how to become a basketball player. But like I wasn't that great. Um, so I was trying to sell all this like random stuff. And then I went to university and someone asked me to do a website and I started. And then eventually I stumbled across like one of your courses and, uh, and I was doing like websites at that point, but I switched over to recurring. And then, uh, you know, we, I, I saw your promotion for the bootcamp. That's awesome. Okay. So you started at age 14 hustling to try and support your family. Tell, tell me about that. Why, why was that? And obviously you don't, you know, you don't have to uh, share anything that you're not completely comfortable sharing. But, but what, what was it that, you know, at 14, you said, okay, I've got to start hustling. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'll be tr as open and transparent as humanly possible. So basically, what happened is that my parents got divorced around that time. And um, out of all the different places that we were looking at for government housing, um, we found this my mom found this one area that was specifically for Muslim parents or Muslim women, single moms uh, in this very high end area just outside of Toronto. And so over there, like that's when it initially started. And the, the first moment was um, there was no one else to put up the blinds. And like, I didn't know how to put up blinds. I'm like 14 years old. I've been basically like unaware for at that. You're a kid, you know, you don't know anything. And so that was such a monumental like moment for me of like, oh, put up the blinds. No one else is going to do it. And I did it. But then um, my mom didn't have a job. There was no way to support herself. We're, we're on rent geared income. So basically we're paying like $200 a month for rent or something. And um, yeah, it's super intense, right? Because I see my mom struggling um, at that point. The relationship between both of them is very rough. And I got to figure something out. And for some reason, I just took that responsibility. I think it's more of a cultural thing. Um, I was born in Pakistan and that's how we were raised. Like the man shows up. And so I was doing my best to show up. That's, that's awesome. Um, and, and you, you have, I think what seems like a very um, interesting, amazing relationship with your mom to this day that it seems like it's still, that's still a big driver for you, right? Showing up for her. It was, it's complicated, man, because, you know, my, from 14 to basically 21, 22, the whole purpose was I used my mom as the motivator. I used her as infinite fuel. 
because what I was doing is I was working 12 plus hours a day. I hated my life. I didn't really have many friends. I wasn't dating. I wasn't going out like most of my childhood or like adolescence didn't really exist because I was just trying to figure out money. And uh, it took a lot longer than it should have, but uh, it is what it is. So basically what would happen is she would come from home. uh, She would come home from Ikea uh, because that's where she was working. And I would see her at like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And I would see the pain she's in and the struggle she's in. And then I would use that as fuel to work until two, three, four o'clock in the morning. And there's some nights I didn't sleep because I was just like, I'm trying to figure this out and I'm doing it for her. And lots of nights I uh, worked until I cried, man, and worked because I I couldn't sleep. Yeah. So one of the reasons that I really enjoy the the friendship that you and I have developed over the years is that you are, um, you're not just a hustler. You're not just somebody who has been successful now in business as an entrepreneur, but you're also very um, introspective and very um, aware of exactly those things that you, you just, you know, talked about that um, were driving you and, and being able to step outside of that and and take a look at that and kind of analyze it, you know, like, is that, is that the way that I should be driving myself? Should I be using that as my fuel or something else as my fuel And, and watching you evolve um, in that whole process of kind of discovering that and, and, and analyzing that, um, and then developing into what, who you are today, um, which is, which is, it's amazing the difference, um, to be able to see what's driving you now. Um, talk, talk a little bit, if you would, about, you know, you and I have both spent time, you know, uh, Tony Robbins and talking about Tony Robbins and understanding him and, um, how he talks about how we're both fueled by, you know, pain and pleasure, right? Um, this moving away from pain and then this drive towards pleasure. And we've all got some balance of it. Um, I think, you know, that understanding of that and the psychology behind why you're doing what you're doing is so critical to entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Um, talk, talk a little bit about how you have transition from where you were to where you are now? Yeah, I think this is so important because I didn't understand this for such a long time. And this is the hardest work I'm doing because it's so complicated. You can't, there's blind spots everywhere. You can't see what you're yourself. It's like, it's a very difficult experience. And even if other people can see it and you understand, understand it, like logically, emotionally, it's very different. At least that's what I found. And so in the beginning, I didn't know, but I actually sacrifice my personal happiness in order to become whatever financially successful that I didn't even know what it was. Right. And I was just trying to figure out how to support my mom. Like that was like the biggest thing. How can I make sure that she's okay and that she can choose how much she works? And um, it was a real challenge, man, because what happened is that in the beginning, I didn't even know what was fueling me. It was just, I just knew it was mom. But what I learned now is I've been angry for like a decade. Okay. And specifically with my dad, you know, this is very, very real. Um, what came out, whether this has happened or not, um, this is what we were told. What happened was, um, things are going to get so bad that you're going to beg me to take you back in. That's what we were told that he said. And we, my relationship with my dad is much better now. We're working on it and we're, you know, we're 
working on healing that because there's a lot there for me still. Whether that's true or not, that's the thing that drove me for like 10 years. I didn't know that. But deep down, uh, after a lot of work, that's the thing that drove me. So part of it was, I want to show you that I'm good enough. I'm going to show you like I got it. And the second part was, let me make sure that my mom is taken care of. Like that was, and what happened is that I did like cultivated 10 years of anger and hate and like very intense emotions that I couldn't even feel. And it all went in my neck and my stomach and, you know, and all of that stuff. So that stuff is very real. Now, once I was able to solve some of the financial parts and like take care of my mom, that led to mass confusion. Because you're like, well, that was my goal or like, oh, I want to make, you know, 10K per month in the business or whatever it is. And once you accomplish that, then you're like, wait, now what do I do? And yeah. so what happened was that once I accomplished the goal for my mom, I was very, very lost because I knew how to be so selfless that I didn't understand what the muscle looked like for it to be selfish. And so right. I didn't know how to take care of me. And so I struggled with self-care for like five years, even though I was financially like stable. Then after that, when things got good and like the business was pumping out, like say, you know, 10K in margin, when it would hit 20 or 25, I would blow it up in a bad way. And so I went from being very diligent to negligent because it was too much. It was too much money, you know, and then it, I would come back down and then it was exciting again. And now I had to show up. And so I would figure out how to build it up again. I did that cycle three times in a year and a half. Isn't that amazing? It's so it's amazing crazy. to look back on it now, right? And and recognize it. It's it's, it's incredible. mind blowing. Like what, no one consciously wants to do that to themselves. That's right. not really productive at <laughs> right. all. Right. And yet, <laughs> and yet it is. And yet it's so common, right? We incredibly we have this. You know, the the thermostat that when you reach a certain point on your thermostat, you want to bring it back down. Right. And so it's how do I reset that thermostat to a higher level, higher level so yeah. that I'm not bringing myself back down. So what, yeah. so what did you, cause your thermostat has gone way up now, your business, yeah. your business is crushing it. Yeah. And when I say crushing it, and like you're truly kicking ass, your, yeah. your personal life is crushing it. Like you're, you're freaking on fire. Yeah. Uh, and we can talk about that too, but, but so what, what was it? that allowed you to then raise your thermostat? Lots of work, man. Crazy amounts on non-direct like non work. So everyone looks at all the mechanisms of, okay, money in, money out, or like, here's my conversion rates, or here's my metrics. But if you think you don't deserve $25,000 a month in revenue, you're going to figure out how to get rid of that money. Like you're going to figure out how to collapse your whole business. You're going to act out with your partner. You're going to act out in front of employees. You're going to get rid of clients, even though they're paying you and everything is fine. You're going to create a very self-destructive environment consciously or unconsciously. And so I had a few times, like within two weeks or four weeks, I would lose 20K a month in recurring. Boom. And it's like, I can't pay rent or like, I don't know where the next money's going to come from or whatever. And I just knew like I have a self like deep self-belief now in what in my capabilities and what I'm capable of overall from a business standpoint and personally. So I knew I could get like stand back up, but there's no reason to do that. Like there's no reason to blow up the business in a way subconsciously because uh, I didn't do that purposefully. It just happened a couple of times. And, so, and it's, it's such powerful stuff. It is so powerful. The head games in all of this. And, and, and the reason why I want to bring this up 
um, because we talk more about your business and stuff like that. And, and, and you mentioned you mentioned before about how it took longer than it should to get your money, you know, your your mind straight around money, and this all impacts that. And that's what I think is so powerful for people to understand. How much do you charge per hour now to do a to do a, a, a consulting call? If you do that, a thousand bucks, thousand yeah. dollars for one hour. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and that's, that's underpriced. That's underpriced. Underpriced. And I know a lot of people listening to this podcast right now that have 25 years of, of experience in business that if you said for them to charge a thousand dollars an hour, they'd be like, no effing way. And in fact, some of those people even have a hard hard time charging a couple of thousand dollars a month for their services because of their head game. Yeah. Because of their psychology. So everything that we're talking about here impacts directly your ability to make money, your ability to make offers, to put things out into the world and say, I will do this for you for this much because I'm going to deliver this much value. But like you said, if you don't believe that you deliver that much value, nobody's going to convince you otherwise. Nobody's going to talk you into spending more with you. You know, like, like you, you have to realize that you have to come to that. And so what I'm optimizing for is what does it look like for me to generate 6250, 6250 bucks per hour that I'm working? That's the number I'm optimizing that's for. That's awesome. I love it. And what is that number calculate? Why that number? What does that calculate to? What's the bigger target? Uh, I normally don't talk about this in public, but like what the purpose is is that um, I, the goal was 10k per month. And then I realized that because it was like I would get it would take so long to hit that number. And it was like, I was flirting with that number and would fluctuate up and down. And then I was like, all right, what does it look like to do hundred K? And I've, I haven't done that before in terms of like actual take home and what that looks like. And so I just added another zero. Sweet. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. And so when you, when you made that comment that it took longer than it should to get the finances right, dive into that a little bit, would you? Yeah. So I grew up in low income housing, government housing that messes with you in a lot of different ways Um, and for a variety of different reasons. So, for example, um, if in government housing, when you make more money, you pay more rent. When you make more money, you pay more taxes. And so what everyone does in those environments is they don't they're not legit. They try to hide as much as they possibly can. But when you're living your life, when you're trying to hide and kind of squeal through and like, you know, squeak through the system, like it creates a lot of confusion. Um, And you're not trying to do it legit because like, why would you? Because you have more expenses. And so things like that, then. Um, you know, my mom is an incredible person, but she's very generous with her money, um, even living in that environment. We didn't even know we were living in low income housing until like much later. Um, that's how, like, that's just how she loves. That's just how she is. And that's the same thing as you talked about on me, on uh, helping other people and supporting other people. But that doesn't create a good ba- uh, foundation for, uh, fi- you know, financial management, basically. Uh, that's not healthy. Um a, b- a bunch of that stuff, you know, and like then you look at uh, self-worth stuff, self-belief stuff, confidence, um, the line be- between confidence and arrogance. I didn't find that for a very long time. Um, and so all of that. And th- when that compounds, oh, my God, it's, it takes longer. So now, you know, this is the first time in my life 
where I am working as hard as I am without desperation. Like I'm working so hard since COVID happened because I'm like, yes, this is my opportunity. This is like when I get to show up. And to, to your point of like, what's the thing that's motivating me? For me, 10 years, I was just focused on how angry I am. Um, and I'm going to sh show my dad and I'm going to protect my mom. And that was the thing that was like, you know, keeping me going. And then I've been working on how to be selfish and figure out like not in a selfish, usually with a negative, con uh, you know, connotation, but it's also from a form of self-care. But then what the thing that I'm focused on now and the clarity I'm working on right now is who is the person that I need to become to show up for 14-year-old Nahal at scale? So I'm working on what does it look like to unlock a, you know, millions of 14-year-old Nahals in a way that's scalable and that's a lifetime goal. Because I'm not focused, like financial stuff is great, man, but like it plateaus, right? You don't feel different at all after you hit whatever it is. Um, and I'm not like crazy wealthy, but I'm, you know, for me, what I thought success was and where I'm at now is much, much further. And the direction I'm going is like, I couldn't have dreamed about it, but like, I don't care about that. That's not the thing that's motivating me. What I'm focused on is how do I become the person to unlock other people? That's, that's what I'm, I'm working on right now. That's so badass, man. That's so freaking inspiring. Yeah. Uh, that, that's yeah. awesome. Congratulations. So Thanks, man. I'm using that in my workouts. I'm using that in my morning routines. I have the uh, Kobe as a book that I, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant uh, book that I use as motivation. I go through David Goggins, like I'm Grant Cardone stuff. Like there's different pieces. I don't have to agree with everything they say. I just want the thing that's going to serve me. And uh, it's powerful, man. Like I'm, I choose not to use anger in order to get stuff done. I use that for so long. And what you create from that space is not very healthy. Like that plateaus real quick. And what got you here won't get you there kind of thing. And so that's what I'm working on where I refuse to use anger as like the, the core fuel source. Like that's stupid. That's awesome. And I, and I love that you say not as the core fuel source because it is a fuel source. And, and you know, all, all of our emotions have value in shaping okay. our behavior. And so there are times when, you know, using that, that anger and using frustration and stuff like that can be still incredibly powerful because it's moving away from pain. Right. And we, and we are, we are driven by moving away from pain. So it's, it's so important to understand the role that both of those can play that that's badass. But now you've got this, you've got this vision of impact that you can have that is so much bigger than yourself, so much bigger than your problems. It's interesting, man, as you, you and I have both done so much work on vision and purpose and, you know, journaling and all this type of stuff that um, it's funny, man, if I were to pull up my personal development journal, as I call it, that I've had for, you know, I don't know how many years now, um, it was about, I can't remember, it was, it was maybe about seven years ago, eight years ago or whatever, that when I got really clear on almost exactly what you just said, D different, yours is so specific, right? I love that 14 year old now. My, um, but my thing was that what inspires me is to, to be an example. It right. is an example that there is somebody out there right now who their problems are the problems that I used to have right. and I got past them. And if I can live in a certain way that I can demonstrate to them that they can get past those problems. And for me, it's, it's entrepreneurs. It's, it's those, 
it's those people who want the independence um, and the self, the feeling of self worth, self worth and contribution and all that type of stuff that can come from owning a business, the ability to give back to your family, to your community, all that, that just inspires the shit out of me that I could, I could help them get to whatever next steps that they can get to by being an example for them. That drives me way much, way, way more than money ever will. Right. That's that's what you have now. Yeah. And that's what you did for me. Right. So when I was in university and I'm like early stages and I'm like ready to drop out of university, three people stopped me and I'm like, all right, let's do it. And I'm so grateful I did because for those people, because I, learned how to speak. I learned how to do business development. I learned how to raise money for the student organization. I learned how to manage and support an organization of a hundred people while in university and all these other failures I had as well. Like that really helped me. But because of you, like I was able to understand like very simply what's blocking and tackling, like understanding fundamentals, understanding, like putting all the emotion aside and looking at numbers. And then you're one of the first people that I message, like, you know, i live in 3,500 square feet apartment now. And it's like, you're one of the first few people I message because like, that's how impactful you showing up at that level for, for me indirectly uh, has been so impactful for me. So I value that. I, I love that, man. And I'm, I am incredibly honored to, to hear that. And nothing, nothing makes me happier. I mean, yeah, now I just moved into this beautiful apartment in Columbia, which we'll talk about that in a second. Um, that's just like stunning. And he sends me, you know, this incredible post and pictures and stuff telling me how he's grateful for the impact that I had. That, that's what it's all about, man. Like that, that's everything to me. It, it, it truly is. So um, it, it's really cool to be able to play out that, that role. Um, so so th- this is awesome. And, and the cool thing is, I want to, again, I want to tie this back. There's, there's going to be some entrepreneur out there listening to this that's like, dude, what is this? Woo, 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 fluffy shit, man. Tell me how to make some money. So here, here's what I want to make sure that everybody understands is that this ties back to the money. When, when, when you are an entrepreneur, that you are driven by the impact that you can make other people. One of the, one of the sayings that is in my head all the time now is it takes money for the mission, right? You need money for the mission. And it's true, we live in a capitalist society. No, no, matter, no matter what, money matters. Money is important in our world. And if you want to be able to reach as many people as you wanna be able to reach, if you wanna be able to impact and motivate and inspire as many people as you want to be able to, to, to impact, it takes money. Money is a scorecard. It's a very important scorecard. So believe me, all of this fluffy stuff that we're talking about here has led to you making a lot more money. And that, that is further proof, further fuel for you to inspire people because that young 15 year old kid living in the projects right now wants to know that Neha can drop 60% to the bottom line on a, you know, X hundred thousands of dollar a month business and go, Oh shit, are you serious? So it's, it's incredibly tied together right it is and i think uh like it depends on what you're focusing on everything i have right now i designed this five years ago almost everything i was in toronto super sad very frustrated i said i'm not going to be here so i left like it's not complicated i'd made that decision 
I wanted a Colombian girlfriend. Now I have a Colombian fiance. Like that's not by accident. You know, um, there's weight goals that I've been working on. There's financial goals I'm working on. There's apartment in view goals. I had like lifestyle goals. I had every, like there's, I wasn't spending that much money on Facebook ads. I made a decision. We're going to spend $1 million a month on Facebook. We're going to spend 1.4 this month. Like none of this is an accident. Like I'm consciously working on this. And a lot of people were talking about this woo woo stuff. Like, yes, it's woo woo. If you don't implement it, but when you do, it works and then you'll be woo-wooing all over the place. So, (laughs) (laughs) and then it's magic. We're going to have people wooing all over this. (laughs) So, okay. So let's talk about the move to Columbia because this is so cool. I, I watched this and I was, I was jealous. I mean, I made a move to San Diego, but really what I wanted to do was do more like what you did which, you know, you said, hey, I've got this digital nomad thing I'm capable of. I understand this. I can work online. I can add value to people anywhere in the world. Where do I want to be and why? So talk about that journey. Yeah. So I don't know how this happened, but like with a YouTube video, I saw this one dude dancing salsa and I'm like, damn, he looks so legit right now. And I'm like, I want to, I want that. And so uh, I used to watch this one video. Um, I think I've watched it over like a hundred times, maybe a few hundred. And it was just like the way that I slept. I would watch it over and over again. And I was just obsessed with this dude. It wasn't even about the dude or the way he was dancing. It was just about this like dream, this vision that I had. And I could have learned salsa in Toronto and I tried, but it just, it, it didn't, it didn't connect. And so I read uh, Tim Ferriss's four hour work week and I was so scared of going to Colombia that I actually went to uh, Barcelona instead to learn uh, salsa and Spanish guitar, which both of those things don't exist in Barcelona. Like that's not a Barcelona thing at yeah. all. Um, and I didn't know that. I don't even do my research. So I just showed up. I had a phenomenal time, but that's not where the magic happens. (laughs) It's not where the magic happens. So why did I do that? So um, then I went back and then I I joined a mastermind and I actually went to San Diego. And one of my mentors, his name is Rome Zah. He was sitting across uh, from me at dinner. And um, I I knew I wanted to leave Toronto. And he said, man, you got to come to Costa Rica. And before we started talking right at the beginning of dinner, but by the time the meal came, I was already looking at flights for Costa Rica and I was there uh, a month later. Um, and so I still went there and it was amazing, but that's not what I wanted. I wanted salsa and I wanted it in Colombia. And so eventually I came to uh, Medellin in a very indirect way after like two and a half, three years. And it was great. And I, it was, I, I got here and I was still scared of taking that class. And so I'm like, all right, man, like I had to go back for traffic and conversion and like take the class before you go. Uh, it's ridiculous if you don't. So uh, I did it. And then I just fell in love. Like everything was so good and it was amazing. And uh, I, I kept going back and forth between uh, Medellin and the US because I was in masterminds and doing a bunch of flying. And then at one point, so that was January uh, of like 2017. And then September, I just decided like, I just don't want to take my suitcase this time. Like just leave it. Like it's okay. So that's when I signed like the first lease. And, uh, and then I stayed like, that wasn't the, the plan. I just wanted to leave Toronto, but then I stayed and, uh, Medellin accelerates the perceived success of your future. So, or, or of your success. So perceived like, uh, like the perception of your success. So basically you can have a higher quality standard of living, uh, for like 50% off. Like that's my experience. That's awesome. And it, and it is Medellin, I mean, has become like the digital nomad capital of, I mean, if not the world, at least maybe like 
the the North America, South America, you know, a whole a whole region, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. so you've got, I'm sure, business down there. I mean, business has been great for you, but I I would think like the connections up down there has been awesome. And yeah. That's it's great. It's great. There's a lot of like digital marketers and, um, you know, I have friends here. Most people are transient and then you can see the people who actually stick around. And, um, those are the people you end up hanging out with. So, so, okay. So when we met, you're hustling, you're selling whatever you can sell. You're trying to figure out how to sell. You're trying to figure out the blocking and tackling fast forward. Now you're living in Medellin. You've got the beautiful fiance. Life is fantastic. You've got a business now that's on fire. Tell me about what are the key distinctions that have have allowed you to develop what you have right now? Yeah, so I think the biggest part is not settling and not getting comfortable. I think I've done a really good job of that. And um, whatever people think is good enough, that's where they settle, right? So if that's 5K per month or 10K per whatever the number is, like that's good enough, I'm good. And what happens is like usually it's very hard to maintain. Either you're growing or you're you're declining. So it's not, it, it's very hard to just be stable. So what I did was when I started doing Facebook ads, I did it for free. And um, then I charged like 250 bucks a month. And then I just kept doubling that. So we started at free. We did it for 250. Then it was like 500, then 1,000, then 2,500. I was stuck at 1,000 for like uh, six months or a year. Then I jumped again to like 2,500 and I was stuck there for a year, year and a half. Then I did it for like 5,000 for like two years or a year and a half as well around that. And then um, we eventually found like a type of client that worked really, really well. And now we have clients paying like 15,000, 20,000 per month. And so it's the same amount of work. You know, it's like we're obviously doing it at a higher level. There's way more volatility. There's but we're more specialized. So because we're specialized and we're delivering higher level of results, um, it, it just works for everyone. And um, I think that's like a big deal. So we could have stopped at a lot of different places. Like, why do I need to spend a million dollars a month? There's no value to that, but it's a mental game for me. Like I want to be able to do that first for other people. Then what does it look like to spend a million a month for myself? Yeah. Well, and that requires a different approach and a different set of skills that are incredibly valuable to a certain type of customer. There are a lot of customers out there that if you can't show them a route from spending a hundred thousand a month to a million a month or more, they're not interested because they're trying to build businesses that are, they're thinking big. They're trying to brands that are dominating in major markets. And Hey, in order to do that, I know looking at the numbers, there's no way I can reach my goals unless I'm spending millions and millions of dollars every year on advertising. So if you can't think that way, I have to hire somebody else, right? The, the way that we changed our positioning, especially the way I started talking as we got results, right? This is not pre-results. This is like once we're, have, we're proven, I'm increasing the prices and I'm changing and trying all these different um, like models. And what we're optimizing for, we're not optimizing for the most amount of money we can get for a client every month. There's many ways to do that. And uh, most of them aren't really healthy or fair or sustainable from a business standpoint. So we're not trying to do that. Um, we're optimizing for LTV and we're optimizing for stability of the account. We're optimizing for like minimal stress for the team and like not a lot of turbulence from account management standpoint. Like there's nuances of that. And what happened is that we started speaking to clients like this. We want to spend 100000 a month per client. 
if your market or your audience can't do 100,000 a month, we can't work with you. Our dream client is to spend 300,000 a month. Our dream agency is we want five clients spending 300,000 a month and we can only handle five and that's it. And because, because I created those limits, I know what, how much revenue that eventually is going to generate. We're getting really close. Uh, I know what profitability that that's going to generate. Plus on top of that, every single core person on my team has a salary plus bonuses where they can make 1.5 to 2x of their core salary based off of the numbers that we're hitting. Everyone is on this aligned to the same goal. And all we care about is front end growth. That's our responsibility. The client's responsibility is back end profitability. So if we can align front end growth, aggressive, you know, um, very formulaic uh, growth, we can do that very, very quickly. And like to 5X or 10X a company within even a quarter or like six months or you know, a year, depending on the size, like we've taken companies from 40,000 to 440,000 in a year. Right. And that's just like a subscription company. We just brought another one that was $20,000 at the beginning of COVID. Uh, and right now as of July, it's going to finish at 350, 400,000. Like that, that's not by accident. It's like, we're, we know what to look for and we know, um, how we can do that. And then it's just a matter of like, do our strategies hit. And so those boundaries have been game changing. And those are numbers per month. Correct. Yeah. Those are numbers per month. Yeah. Make sure that everybody realizes that. Yeah. Those are numbers per month. So, yeah. uh, so in other words, Nahal knows his shit. It's working. Um, and you're very lucky if you get to be a client of his. What, what I love, love, love about some of the things that you just touched on there um, that every entrepreneur needs to put this much focus on, right? Who is your target? customer? Who, who is that one that you really want to take care of, that you really want to line up with? What is your value proposition to them? And then envisioning what does my business look like and what does my business need to be to be able to support you know, what I'm going for with those ideal clients? What's the structure? What's the team? What are the economics? What are the margin like? You've thought that through with such clarity that like now, it's, it's, it's like you you planned this out years ago now it, it's almost like it has to happen it's like exactly. you can see and it's like i have numbers to give feedback to myself if it's happening or if i'm off course like you're always going to be off course like in nuances like how long are you off course right and so we have a media buyer scoreboard we can see every single day here's how much that we said we're going to spend this month Here's how much we're spending right now, total months to date. We can see what our daily target is and how far are we from our daily target. What, <clears throat> what our daily target is on revenue and ad spend and what our actual spend and revenue is every single day. And we can see that so we can keep ourselves honest. And we do that for every single client and across the company. So we can see like objectively, no emotions. A daily scorecard. It's, it's yeah. one of my favorite, favorite tools ever. And... <laughs> And on top of that, we have like the main thing, I think a big part of it that's actually helped unlock a lot of this is that I have empowered the team so that they can make more money than they ever plan to make. The more money they make directly correlates with our company making more money. And every single one-on-one -on -one conversation that we're having, which we have bi-weekly, is how do we make you more money? How do we get you to level up? We gave every single person on the team a dream manager. So we created a program based off of a book I read, um, which is called The Dream Manager. So everyone gets a 
personal coach um, where uh, they can speak to them once every two weeks or every single week, depending on them. And they can talk about anything. They're not recorded. I don't know what they're talking about. Um, and the goal is if, we, if, your, if dreams matter, how do I make sure you can see that based off of my actions? And so uh, we hired a person or a couple people to do that uh, in English and in Spanish because we have multilingual. We have people in five countries right now. And the goal is if you're part of my team, how do I get you to level up in all areas of your life? Because the personal side leads to the professional. And when people are making more money, we don't want them to like get comfortable. I want to keep pushing them. That's bad. This man so inspiring. So inspiring. I love it. So you, you are, you have become the ultimate, what I call bold entrepreneur. Bold is my acronym. That is my my target avatar, right? Your your 14-year-old Nahal is my bold entrepreneur, which stands for business ownership plus lifestyle design, right? You have taken business ownership and used it as the tool to create the life that you want and vice versa. They feed. They feed. Correct. And that, that's the amazing thing about the world that we live in with this whole digital entrepreneur landscape thing is that when you talk about your, your business, you've learned to take your business and feed your lifestyle with it. You live in an amazing apartment. You have an incredible life. I know you don't have to work crazy hours now, but you're making great money. You've got the things. You've got the ability to provide for your mom, for your fiance, for yourself, all that type of stuff. That's incredible. Then all of that feeds back into your business and your ability to make impact on other people because you can share all of that now with people and you can say, look, my business is the tool that gave me this. Now I have this. People are inspired by that stuff. And then they now want to learn, okay, what are the tools and disciplines I need to have to be able to get there like you did? And it, it just, it's such a cool like cycle. It just fires me up so much. And you are a perfect living example of that, man. Appreciate that, man. I'm what I'm looking to do and what my commitment is to myself is how do I accelerate that for other people? And so I, I started writing my first book on Facebook advertising. I have a list of all the different types of books I want to do, including like money management. And um, there's a lot of stuff around money. And it's like, I'm speaking to a lot of people. And I'm like, man, I'm more confused now speaking to people after in, instead of how much I was before. And so like, how, why is that? And money is so important, but there's so many fears around it. And so I'm working on like figuring it out for myself and looking at how my money flows and how it can flow. Uh, in order to maximize it because, you know, I, I'm, I have a crazy amount of energy right now. I am, you know, making a lot of progress, but I, for, from people who are 20, 30 years, my senior, they've been kind of humbling me and explaining like, look, you're not planning now for 55 year old Nahal. And so Dan Sullivan has a book called the 25 year framework. And that's blown my mind because there's four quarters per year and in 25 years, that's a hundred quarters. And so what are, is 1% is one, each quarter is 1%. And what are you accomplishing in each one of those 1% for who you want to become in 25 years? And it's like, man, I don't know the answers to most of that. And so. So awesome, man. I love, I love how deliberate and, and thoughtful you are. You've always been, but you are continuing to be about playing, playing the game of life and playing the game of business and, and trying to, you know, put, put as much up on the scoreboard while you can in your, in your way, um, yeah. which, which is amazing. So. Dude, I love it. Thank you so much for joining me here. Before we sign off here, one, 
tell everybody here where they can learn more about you, follow you, get in touch with you, all that good stuff. Yeah. So at pros.com, we have a Facebook group. If you want to learn about Facebook ad stuff, if you have a question or if there's anything I could guide you on or point you in the right direction, I'm happy to do that. Um, if you're in a similar situation to 14 year old Nahal or 21 year old Nahal or whatever, whatever the situation is, if I can support you, I'll do my best to, um, 15 minute conversations or random messages have changed uh, trajectories for me for sure. I love that. I love that. Okay. Then one more thing in closing, what would you say? And in my mind, 14 year old Nahal could be 44 year old Nahal. It could be 44 year old Susan, you know, whatever. Right. So um, what is your, your closing message to them? Um, find people who you want to become and understand if you actually want to become them. That's like the biggest thing I'm trying to figure out right now, because I always looked up to all of these people I wanted to become. And the closer I got to them or they became clients or whatever, I was like, man, I don't want to become you. I don't want what you have, or I don't want the lifestyle you have or whatever it is. The, the valuable part of that is figure out what is it that you actually want and is someone, does someone already have it? And then find out if that's true because with internet, you know how all that stuff works. And so to me, that's been such a big part because there's a lot of things people say, but when, like, what, what do they do in their actual day? You know, um, how is it that they actually make money? What is, what's their responsibility in the business? And you know, what are the seasons that they're going into whatever? I didn't understand any of that. And the biggest thing for me was who are the people who I think I want to become and let me model them. And I became really good at modeling them. And, and you're one of those people, you know? And so I, I modeled the hell out of you and sales calls and, you know, uh, presentations and all of that stuff, because that's the thing I was trying to figure out uh, what I wanted to become. And so I saw way more part of like who you are. And I'm like, all right, I want to take this, 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 and this. And then I can go to the next person and take this and I can do that. So just don't buy like people's hype and um, figure out like who you want to become and, and like get close to them, basically. That's that's such killer advice, man. It makes so much good sense to me. And I look back, I look back at the beginning of my career and it was all about, you know, could you could you go public? Could you right. raise a hundred million dollars in Silicon Valley? Right. Like those were the benchmarks and the metrics that I thought mattered and the people that I thought were successful. And like you said, when you get to know and you see how are they living, what are the decisions they're making, what are the sacrifices they're making, what is their average day like, and is that really what you want? And, I, and I'm not even judging those people. It's not a if judgment. That, yeah, if that's what they want, awesome. But the key, right, is to really get clear on what it is that you want for you right. With, without anybody else's lens on it or, or anything, it's, it's, it's you. And, and that, I think, is what you have done such a remarkable job of and it's such a gift is you have been very, you've put in the work to say, hey, these are my circumstances and what I know now, but that doesn't have to limit my vision or where I'm going. I need to go and find the things that inspire me and I need to construct what I want Nahal to be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, what I want my business and my life to be 10 years from 20 years from now, have a vision that excites me so much that I get out of bed and sprint to it every day. And I'm being pulled there from a place of pleasure and vision and excitement rather than 
moving away from pain, right? And that, if we, if, yeah. we could, if we could all live that life, that's the dream. The, the perfect example is I have friends who have, you know, two or three X bigger companies than I, I have in terms of revenue, but I'm more profitable, you know, or like I have way less responsibilities. I'm way less operational. I have way less stress. I'm way more happier. Like my day-to-day life is way more, you know, profitable or more success, whatever, like based off of my standard, not theirs on yeah. mine that I've, I have more doing less and being in a situation where it's still a lot, like it's still good, it's still very healthy. And now how do I optimize that to do it at a bigger level with a bigger impact while still doing the things that I'm best at? And so like it, comparing yourself to Facebook group screenshots and what other people are talking about on podcasts and all that, like that's not, not gonna help anyone. What is it you want? What's your next milestone and figure that out. That's awesome, man. I love it. Thank you so much for uh, coming on here with me. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, you. I'm loving. I'm loving watching you be you and do your thing. It is. It is just so much fun for me, and I'm so happy for you. And uh, keep up the awesome work. Keep inspiring people. And uh, I can't wait to see. Can't wait to see what comes, man. Thanks, man. I feel like I'm just getting started. So it's awesome. I know you are. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, uh, watching or listening or whatever you're doing. Um, if you haven't yet, head over to leverage.com, lvrg.com. Uh, make sure and like everything, subscribe to everything, buy everything that you possibly can. <laughs> worth it. Worth Put it. Use, build your business, be like Nahal. And uh, we, uh, we thank you again so much, Nahal, for coming on and sharing, sharing what you've been doing with us. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, man. Take care. Hey there, it's Mike again. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Nahal. He really is uh, just a perfect example of a bold entrepreneur. He has literally deliberately designed his ideal life and he's living it every day. He's got a business that's kicking ass. He's got a personal life that's kicking ass. He's making a bunch of money, having a lot of fun and is set to have a really big impact on a lot of people. I hope that that inspires you. That's what this is all about. Um, and if you know somebody else that would be inspired by Nahal's story, please share this episode of the podcast, pass it along uh, so somebody else can get something from it as well. All right, take care and thank you so much for listening.